Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Hard-running. Exciting. Thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. Go crazy, folks. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is West Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vang, the boogie-woogie man. Hey, guys, I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. Let me take it back if that ain't what I meant. Give me a coat, or give me a bite. Give me a light bulb and make sure it's bright. Give me the moon, or give me everywhere. Give me some powder to spray up in the you're doing well here on a Wednesday as we slide over the hump together. Call us up on the Baker Team Hotline, 639-4900. Text line is 744-2990. Rick with a capital R, New River Radio. Keon Brown joins us at 635. We'll go over some collegiate hoops. Bill Roth in the Roth Report. At 8.05, and then David Teal at 8.35. And we hope everybody is doing well wherever you might be following up lovey-dovey day on Valentine's Day. Hope it went well for you dudes. Hope everybody did what they were supposed to do. All right? No arguing. No you know, no feeling bad about whatever you needed to get done. Whatever you need to get done, just get it done. Virginia Tech back on the hardwood tonight at Georgia Tech. We expect that to go well for the Hokies. They are seven and a half point favorites. That's a big number to be on the road. Matter of fact, the two state schools in the Commonwealth, pretty huge uh, favorites tonight. Virginia at Louisville. 17 point favorites are the Cavs. I expect both will cover. Isn't it amazing? I know Louisville's coming out of a horrible situation there with their coach getting fired. But you think of Louisville basketball, you never imagine that the program that Denny Crum built 
would be three and twenty-two. One and thirteen. We told you here on the program Clemson wasn't the real deal, and they have fallen completely out of the top twenty-five, and they're struggling. They got Florida State tonight. That's the other game. Clemson. Nine and a half point favorites. Never liked Clemson. Never thought Clemson was the real deal. They never are in hoops. Last night, Syracuse knocked off NC State. Looked like there were some words after between Kevin Keats and Jim Beheim. And Duke edged out Notre Dame. How about Duke at home struggling with Notre Dame? 68-64. Mike Krzyzewski finally showed up for a Duke game. And I'm wondering because... The last couple of uh, telecasts that made a big deal out of Krzyzewski being at other places, but he had not shown up for a Duke game. I wonder if that's the only reason he was there last night. And then the camera caught just a very odd, forced handshake, kind of half-embrace between him and John Shire. It was weird. Just weird. The whole Duke thing is weird. I don't know about you, but unless you're a Duke fan or down in Durham, have you missed Mike Krzyzewski one time? I know I haven't. Like, I haven't thought about him not being there one time other than breaking down if John Shire is going to be able to pull that program out of the fire. And Pitt won their 19th game over BC last night, 77-58. to Looking forward when we have David Teal... Well, I always look forward when we have David Teal. But he's going to get into this whole Virginia-Duke controversy. He was there. And I want him to spread some light on it. I've heard from on the text messages from uh, some Duke fans. And, you know, you have a lot of college basketball fans who aren't sympathetic because, well, let's just say it the way it is. And you can ignore it all you want. But over the years when Krzyzewski was there, hounding the officials from day one, I mean, from minute one, Duke got the benefit of a lot of calls. They did. I mean, that's just a fact. That's why every college basketball fan outside of Durham was saying, hey, hey, Duke's just kind of getting some payback for all those years they got. But that was a rules miss, though. I mean, Duke got screwed over. And I thought it was pretty weak of the ACC. Once again, anything to protect the officials who aren't doing their job correctly they send out a release. Yeah, we got it wrong. They misinterpreted the rule. Sorry, Duke. But that's all we're going to say about it. End of story. Well, no, that, that shouldn't be the end of story. That shouldn't be the end of story. Because if you're doing that and you're trying to brush it under the rug, all of a sudden it becomes inauthentic. Happens everywhere at every level at every sport. Ironically, I think it's baseball that's taking on kind of the unsaid, yeah, we know our umpires suck. (laughs) So we're just going to start touting technology, like the strike zone buzzer, the electronic strike zone, which is going to be used throughout the minors in certain areas, the AAA. It's going to make its way to Major League Baseball very soon. As baseball gets ready for a new season, they announced a lot of rules that we're going to be seeing this year. The bases are going to be bigger. You're going to have more of a emphasis on the balk rule this year. They've made the ghost runner permanent. I thought I would hate the ghost runner thing, but I think I do like it. 
That's not the baseball purist in me talking. That's just looking at the reality of it. But they're going to this electronic strike zone eventually at Major League Baseball. And the reason is the interpretation of the strike zones are so bad by these umpires. And then, of course, these umpires get confrontational. And instead of them saying, we don't believe our umpires are doing a great job, they're going to tout, well, here's technology to make sure everybody's on the same page. Right? And I guess that's kind of the way they go about it. You can't really do that, I guess, in the other sports as much. But in baseball, here's our strike zone. And the computer's going to call it, and then the umpire will just relay what it is. It's coming. It's going to be there full-time. It'll be there full-time in college baseball soon. It's going to happen. It's not going to go away. But when you see a conference work so hard, I mean, to sweep under the rug just a horrible end-of-game situation, these officials aren't doing their job. And people have used the excuse in college basketball that they're overworked. And why not? They get paid handsomely. I mean, you're making anywhere between thirteen hundred and two thousand grand for one night of basketball. And if you're working three, four games a week, I mean, you're you're cleaning up. But I don't I don't really know the drop-off and why it's been so, so just completely off the cliff. It's, it's strange to me. We've gone through a lot of younger officials throughout the years in the Big South, and a lot of those guys have matured to be pretty good officials, or at least officials that you can count on to do an okay job. But, boy, it seems like now that it's just such a difficult thing to find folks who understand how to go about calling a game. It's not even about making calls. It's about understanding a situation like at the end of the Super Bowl. It's like understanding if a game is allowed to be a certain way. I'm always fascinated. Like, for instance, tomorrow night we're back on ESPNU. And I've been there in the meetings, right? I've been in these production meetings with the TV people as the aggregate broadcasting director down at Radford. And they encourage, for these TV games, mid-majors, they encourage these games to get off to a fast start in terms of the clock getting ahead of, um, you know, the programming, just in case the game goes to overtime. Then you don't have to move it to a different network. Or you don't overlap and you cut off another game, right? It happens. And if you watch most of the time when you're at least in the wild card situation in the Big South, those, uh, those officials will let you play pretty freely at least through the first two media timeouts. I think uh, TV Teddy Valentine is in Deadman tomorrow night. And likely you won't have, unless it's just a game where the two teams are just crushing one another, just beating the hell out of each other. But most of the time they'll let it flow pretty easily because they want the game to be established and they want to get ahead of the clock. It's just a fact. I've been in the meeting. This is what they talk about. But you see, that's the proper way to go about it. That's 
that's not ignoring fouls, but that's just calling what needs to be fouled. That mindset needs to be prevalent every game, and that's the problem that we have. And I also know that they come over, I'm sitting there at the scorer's table. A lot of times, officials will look down and say, hey, do you have a first-half box score? And I'll show it to them. Usually, it's the head referee. And I know what he's doing. He's looking to see about the foul situation in case he's lost track. A lot of times, they get a box at halftime. But if they haven't, they'll look and see. And a lot of times, you'll see either if it's one-sided, very quickly, they will even it up as much as they can, subtly. Or if it's a tightly contested first half, sometimes they'll let the second half go, but most of the time they don't. Most of the time, if there's only four or five total fouls called in the first half, they don't think they've had enough of an impact, so they decide to really blow a lot of whistles, especially early in the second half clock. And that's where it becomes very frustrating because then we go back to the argument, just like in the Super Bowl, these defensive backs were told how they could play the game by the lack of flags, and then... In the most important moment on a pass that was thrown 10 yards over the head of the receiver, which I know holding does not matter in terms of uh, a catchable pass or not, they threw the flag. Well, in basketball, it's the same thing, and I broached this with David Smith yesterday. If you're especially a post player, and the game's been allowed to be fairly physical, which is the way most players, if not all, like it to be, And then you start calling fouls against those big guys or whomever it might be, the wing players, for doing the things you allowed in the first half. That's an official's error. You're not doing your job by putting your arm in the air and all of a sudden you look up and before the first media timeout, both teams have a combined 10 or 12 fouls called and there's five or six fouls immediately and you're going to be in the bonus soon. That's not doing justice to the game and that doesn't mean all of a sudden you're a good official because you're blowing your whistle. You want to establish the kind of game you're going to allow early and then just be consistent, and nobody's going to have a problem with it unless you have a huge error, as was the case, that it just literally cost Duke the game. But this is where we are right now, and this is why we're so frustrated as sports fans, and this is what I hope that the leagues would start to see through and understand instead of just sweeping it under the rug or a lot of people just saying people are whining about the officials. Well, no, you just want to see the thing done correctly and fairly on both sides. That's all I want to see. I think that's what most fans want to see. But we're going to get into that with David Teal and find out exactly what in the world happened. It, it just befuddles me that they just didn't know the rule and you can make a change call like that. I mean, the only way to fix it, and Eric just sent it in. You're right, Eric. By the way, the text line seven four four twenty nine ninety. These leagues need to start docking paychecks. You should have a standard. You should have a grade, he says. If you don't live up to the grade, you don't get your paycheck. Thanks, Eric. Or a reduction in pay, right? But the problem is, The problem is these leagues don't want to admit that the things they've had in place aren't adequate enough to get these guys trained up the way they need to be. I think they're just so grateful that you have all these part-time people that want to be officials. 
that they don't want to put any heat on them because they understand that most of them are just citizens that are doing this as a part-time gig, even at the highest level, like in the, the NFL. Now, Major League Baseball, the umpires, it's a six-month thing. And maybe baseball's in the right path, right? Just to use technology in a more, maybe it's subtle, maybe it's not, with this strike zone. And I think once you get the strike zone thing done, I mean, people are, with the way they have review already in place in baseball, you're going to have a hard time finding a lot of criticisms going forward, I think. All right, we're just getting started. Keon Brown in about 13 minutes. Stay with us. More coming up here on a Wednesday. The absolute best sports talk in the New River Valley, period. And you can quote us on that. That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! Or Big Dog next on WRAD. Thompson in a text. He goes, where's the oh my guy been? I haven't heard the oh my guy in a long time. You're right. I don't know. I just I lost track. Thanks, Tom. I mean, no matter where, this is the actual, actually, this isn't the oh my guy. This is the actual call at the end when you had the, uh, the holding call at the end of the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Oh, oh my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. I mean, it kind of fits every scenario, doesn't it? <laughs> Whatever great moment at the end of a game. United States beats Russia at the end, right? I mean, instead of Al Michaels, we could have just had... Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Wayne from Rapid. How you doing? Hey, Wayne. How are you? All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to see uh, the other teams around instead of Duke all the time, you know, being, you know, Duke has had, you know, they've had their winning years and all that, but there's other teams in ACC that, uh, you know, they're doing good. Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech's doing better. Yeah, yeah. There's other teams that's doing good. It's that call, I don't like the call. But they had every uh, opportunity to win that game. I mean, they got out rebounded. Virginia did by 15, and they missed a lot of free throws. And they had a chance to win the game. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No so, doubt. Uh, yeah, and I seen an article in the paper about Virginia. The players, I like their uniforms. Really, it was the colors really nice. And three of the players had the uh, many afros. 
Cool. I like that. Yeah, I miss cool. that. I miss cool. that absolute Dr. J had the uh, uh, NBA on CBS. Oh yeah, the old days. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I like Dr. J. Oh, he was one of my favorites. Really, really great. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Wade. I appreciate hey, the call, man. We got to okay. head out. We got the okay. news coming up, man. Take care of yourself. Oh, you too. All right, Thanks. we'll be back. Stay with us. More coming up. Keon Brown joins us next. Hi, this is Kenny Brooks, head women's basketball coach at Virginia Tech, and I love listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Hope you're doing okay wherever you might be here on this uh, glorious Wednesday afternoon. Bill Roth, David Teal come up here in the third hour, joining us now to talk some hoops. He is our resident basketball correspondent, former Radford University Highlander, now the Broadcast analyst for the Longwood Lancers on ESPN+. Plus. Keon Brown, good morning, KB. How are you, my brother? Drake Watson, what's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, we're hanging in there, man. Wednesday, motoring along. Two, yep. two more weeks out uh, for the Big South Tournament begins. And uh, I guess before we get into hoops, um, you went to the, uh, the service, the funeral services this weekend for uh, Cam Jones, and you told me that his – I guess as far as things like that can go, it was a it was a pretty nice uh, pretty nice way to say goodbye to Cam. Yeah, it was a a really good you know a good time for us. Um, you know, I dreaded the whole week going up to Roanoke, and what made it better was I saw all of the guys there. The whole pretty much the whole team was there. Wu was there. RJ, Brandon, myself, Taj came. I mean, it was just like a reunion. And all of us got to be with one another and, you know, comfort one another. And I think that everybody coming together as a collection of one, it just made everyone feel better. And, you know, I knew that that would happen, that once I saw my guys and that we got around each other, we would feel better. We, uh, Coach Jones even was there. So nice. we know how busy nice. of a schedule uh, he has. Wu was there. We know how busy of a schedule that grueling NBA schedule is. So for those guys to, you know, take times out of their hectic, busy schedule and to, you know, I call it the celebration of life, the standing ovation of life for Cam. It was unbelievable. And everyone needed everyone on that day. And it definitely made everyone feel better for sure. Well, that's great to hear. You know, we were were down in Charleston getting ready to play the Bucks, And I know I was talking about a little bit with – Coach Nichols. So uh, even though we couldn't be there, everybody was thinking about uh, the fact that Saturday definitely was the service. Well, I'm glad to hear that it was done as well as it possibly can be. And it's so great that Javante and Coach Jones came back as well. Um, talked to Coach Jones actually last week. Uh, he called me after all this happened. And um, sounds great. His team's playing great. And how did Wu look? How's he doing? Uh, he looked better than ever. You know, he's a guy that's always him no matter what. So that's the thing that, you know, stood out to me even in the time of, you know, what we were going through is always good that you can count on Wu to be Wu, right? But everyone was doing great. I haven't seen Taj in a while. I think he was the only guy that came that I hadn't seen in years, and he looked great. Nice. And, you know, we nice. were able to fellowship and eat afterwards, and then we headed on our way and then told everyone we loved him. Obviously, you never know what could happen in this unpredictable life, but it was a great time. It really was. 
Well, let's talk about the games, the things that really don't matter so much, especially after you have to deal with all that. But um, looking at the ACC, I mean, where do you put uh, the top two dogs are right now? Let's just say it's Miami and Virginia. Who do you still have as the best team in the ACC? And if it's still Virginia, how close has Miami closed the gap? Because they have two different philosophies, one doing it with offense, one, of course, with the pack line defense. But how do you look at Virginia and Miami right now as the top two teams in the league? Yeah, like you said, they have two contrasting styles. One's offense, one's defense. For me, I would probably have to rely more on UVA. That coaching staff and, you know, those players – what they do so well is, like you said, that pack line defense. It keeps them in games even when their offense isn't, you know, clicking, even when they're not knocking down shots. We've seen that so many times this year, even with the games they lost. Their offense didn't look as, you know, efficient as they like, but their defense was good enough to keep those guys in the game. And then with Miami, Jim Laranega and the job he's done since he's been there has just been, it's been ridiculous, right? And you can argue that it's been underrated but you know when you have a guy like Isaiah Wong who you can give the ball to at the end of the game and say take us there bring us home that's a plus as well especially in March March Madness these tournaments are about guard play and Isaiah Wong is a guy that can just step up and take over a game when he needs to for his team to win so those are pros and cons of both of those teams and if I had to pick a team right now, like I said, it would be UVA because of that defense. That pack line defense is suffocating. You see so many times teams struggle to get 50 to 60 points on sometimes when they're at their absolute best. And I think that it's going to click for those guys. They did get away with one on Saturday versus Duke, though. You know, they should have lost. Well, they should have had the opportunity to lose that game. Mm-hmm. You should have shot free throws at the end of regulation. But that's neither here nor there now. But. I do like what I'm seeing from both of those teams. Obviously, Pittsburgh and Coach Capel, he's done an awesome job. Nobody, I don't think, could see those guys or predicted those guys at the top of the ACC before the season. They're doing an amazing job right now. and you know, But with those two teams, I think it's UVA for sure. And what to make of North Carolina? Another uh, tough week for them. I just – Miami goes down there and handles them pretty easily. I mean, I know they have the talent, but they don't look like and they don't really look like an NCAA team to me most nights. What do you think about Carolina? I, I have a feeling they're still going to make the field just because of the name. But what do you right. think? What do you think about them? Yeah, I, I agree. And to me, they have an R.J. Davis problem. We've been talking about that for months now, and it's still a problem. He is a guy who has bad body language on the court. It seems like he wants everything to go through him on the court. Uh, it's just not good right now. And I think you can probably argue that he is sort of a cancer on the team and it's affecting those guys from the inside out. Some of those comments that Armando Baycott made after that game were similar to what Oscar Sheboy said when Kentucky, you know, was losing early on. They were like, just put the guy, basically to sum it up, just put the guys out there who are going to go out there and play hard and compete. If you, and Oscar Sheboy said, if you have to put walk-ons on, four walk-ons on out there with me, and they're going to compete, that's what we need to do. And that's kind of uh, in the ballpark of what uh, Marmando Baycott said uh, last week during those struggles. It seems like these guys are playing for self and not team. They seem like they are complacent with what last season brought to those guys, obviously losing 
in the uh, national championship game to Kansas after leading at halftime. And these guys are just struggling right now. It, it doesn't look good at all. But like you said, they still will probably be in the field because of who they are. And then still, if they were to advance in the tournament past the second or to the second weekend, you wouldn't be surprised because of all of the talent on that team. So it's a mystery right now, but they do have a chance of being the number, the first preseason number one team to not make the tournament. So I'll be looking out for that. But they have a lot of struggles they need to fix and it needs to get fixed now because time is definitely against them. Keon Brown joining us on the program, our basketball correspondent. Virginia Tech, um, a lot of work to do going forward. I mean, they need yes. to go on the road tonight, and they should take care of Georgia Tech. But that BC loss at home was very damaging to them. Yep. Um, are we looking at a situation, do you think, Tech, yeah, they could win out. They still have big games against Miami and Duke. Likely they won't. But um, are they going to have to win the tournament again in the ACC to make the field? There's no doubt about it. They have to win the tournament. The ACC is down this year. You could argue that if you were to rank the best conferences in college basketball, it's usually those Power Fives. You could argue that the Mountain West Conference is better than the ACC Conference. You really could argue that. And I know some guys who would even consider that to be the case. And Virginia Tech has to win out. There's no doubt about it. Like I said, they just don't have, to me, that it factor. And it pains me, it kills me to say that, especially with you know, the respect, the love I have for Coach Young. But you got me doing a job. I have to give my honest opinion. Coach Young and the Virginia Tech Hokies, they won't win out. They won't make it to the tournament. It will take, a, I wouldn't say a miracle, but they're going to have to play perfect basketball in the tournament if they're going to win it. It just, they've, just been, they've been too inconsistent and many times not consistent at all, you know, in that, they were on a huge losing streak early on in, this, in the uh, ACC season. And, you know, Rocky right now, you had a big win against UVA, which could have spearheaded you into finishing the season strong, and then you blow one uh, versus Boston College. And then you win versus Notre Dame, who's underachieving. And now you got at Georgia Tech, a team that you should beat. Then you're versus Pitt, a team that's really good. Then Miami and Duke two of the better teams in the league. It's just going to be tough for those guys, and I don't see those guys making the tournament this year, unfortunately. Well, it's going to be a very interesting uh, stretch run here as uh, we're getting ready for the stretch run in the Big South. I mean, it's yep. uh, Asheville-Radford tomorrow night. Longwood is right there as well, and uh, Gardner-Webb. I mean, you know it. We know it. It doesn't really matter how it's going to go. I know Radford and Longwood, Ashley, they've all clinched first-round buys. They don't have to worry about playing until Friday. But uh, does it matter, I guess, ultimately, if you're one through four in the Big South, whatever seeding you end up with? Uh, it can matter. But the way the league is set up, and you know it's just so unpredictable, We it could look totally different next week. It really could. Obviously, you know, Radford – has uh, UNC Asheville tomorrow, ESPNU, and then on Saturday, you know, I'll see you guys at Farmville. It's just a tough league right now, but Bradford, if Bradford's going to win the league, they have to take care of UNC Asheville and Longwood. These are important games. They could be the difference between first place being one game or tied at first place or being two games behind at first place. And then with Longwood, who knows how that could go there we're preseason number one for a reason. When they're on, they're on. But we saw when they're not on, it could be really bad for those guys. And this league is just so unpredictable. 
But like you said, I've came in coming into the season, I thought the top season would be UNC Asheville, Radford, Longwood, Gardner Webb, and Winthrop. But USC Upstate has been much improved. Campbell is fighting for that, you know, first round by in the tournament. Um, UNC Asheville has the best player in the league in Drew Pimmer. It will be a crime. Highway robbery, ski mask and glove, if he is not the Big South player of the year. That, he is just ridiculously good. It is amazing how good of a season he's had. And we talk about his offense all the time, but people forget that he was last year's Big South defensive player of the year. Yeah. So you have to go up against that guy tomorrow, and guys are going to have to be locked in on him because he's going to be ready. He's going to be ready to go. Who won the NBA trading deadline? Was it clearly Phoenix with the Kevin Durant trade? What did you think? Yeah, at first I thought it was the Lakers until I woke up and saw that Kevin Durant moved to Phoenix. Now, the problem with Phoenix <laughs> is that everybody on their team, except pretty much DeAndre Ayton, always is on the injury report. They're always missing games. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant. If those guys can stay healthy, which is a big if, they should walk to the NBA Finals, in my opinion. The Western Conference has so much parities. There's not much separation from the 13th seed to the 5th seed. Those guys have the most star power. They're the only team in the NBA that's considered a super team. If healthy, they should walk to the NBA Finals. And depending on the matchup, they probably should win it. I think the only teams in the East that probably could beat a healthy Phoenix Suns team, the Boston Celtics because of their experience and they're dealing with injuries, the Milwaukee Bucks admit because of their experience and they're dealing with injuries and potentially the Philadelphia 76 depending on, you know, what version of them we get. But uh, Phoenix clearly won the trade. You have the best player. You didn't have to give up too much. You gave up your best perimeter defender, Michael Bridges. But I would trade that for Kevin Durant 100 times out of 100 times. He even said he would have made the trade for himself if it was Kevin Durant on the table. So... Phoenix clearly won it. The Lakers made some good moves. But right now, if healthy, the Phoenix Suns are the team to beat in the West. It's not even close. You and I get to hang out together on Saturday in Farmville. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should just combine all the broadcasts. I should sit next to you at, at the ESPN+. <laughs> Plus and we should just go back and forth. You can comment a little bit on the ESPN+. Plus, and then you can come over and do some thing on Radford Radio. That's what we should do. <laughs> Really would if we can get that, make that happen some way. I'd love to do that. I mean, you're, obviously, you're versatile. You can handle it. <laughs> I can handle it. It's going to be a a really good game and uh, a fun game for me. Obviously, knowing you guys like the back of my hand. Obviously, the relationship I have with you, the coaching staff over there, those players is going to be fun. It should be a classic one. One of the better matchups we saw with matchup one was on ESPNU. I'm expecting much of the same on Saturday. Uh, two teams just fighting for those top seeds in a league that's so unpredict- unpredictable and anything to happen. It's going to be fun, and I can't wait to see you guys on Saturday, especially you, man. I'm looking forward to it myself, brother. Listen, man, uh, have a great rest of the week in your classroom, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night, and we'll definitely see you on Saturday. All right, brother, I can't wait. I look forward to it. Excellent. Big matchup tomorrow. Huge game. More national TV for Rafford. We're proud of that, but we got to get it done. we got to get these results. That's that right. Gardner Webb game kind of blew it, but made up for it on Saturday. Got to get the dub. Got to get the dub. No doubt about it. Yes, sir. All right, brother. All right, brother. Stay safe, man. Have a great day.
Right. All right, that's Keon Brown, our basketball correspondent. Great stuff. We just kind of jumped around the ACC, Big South, NBA, and I get to see KB on Saturday. He'll be up there. He's the analyst for the uh, Longwood Lancers ESPN Plus broadcast, and I'll be up there doing Radford Radio. So uh, I know our coaching staff is going to give him a hard time. Yeah, yeah they're going to give him a hard time of being on the other side, quote, on Saturday. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Wrap it up, Hour 1, when we return. Hope you're doing well here as we slide over the hump. We've heard the other guys, and frankly, we've heard enough. Now shut that door and get the hell out! The grown-ups are talking, so sit down and listen. Yeah, that's right. Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson returns next on the WRAD Talk Network. stuff from him. It's going to be strange for Keon. I know we're going to be sitting there doing the uh, the games and I know where his heart goes. Right? His heart's going to be with the Highlanders. <laughs> great, by the way. Appreciate all the great comments we got from having Daquan Smith in studio. It was a lot of fun uh, having him here. And uh, just amazing dude. All those guys are just really good kids. Um, so we appreciate that. I got a lot of uh, messages that I forwarded on over to him, and he really appreciated it. And uh, I hope you can come out and support Radford tomorrow night. You know, it's the final national TV game. Three down. We've had three in a row, which is incredible. It's really kind of unprecedented, to be perfectly honest with you. So we'd like to see you there. Watch Radford take on the first-place team. And if they're able to beat Asheville, they would tie then for first in the league. And then you'd have three games to go. It's really... You're playing for seeding, but then again, if you win the regular season title in the um, Big South, leagues like that, even if you don't win the tournament at that point, you get to go to the NIT, which I know is a consolation prize, but still, um, it's really nice, right, to be able to have that opportunity to say, okay, you do get a little bit of a reward, even if you don't win the tournament by going to the NIT. and um, So it is important. And what uh, Coach Nichols and his staff have done has been uh, amazing, the turnaround as quickly as it's happened. So I hope you get a chance to come out and, and see us tomorrow night. Radford and UNC Asheville, as uh, Keon just mentioned, I mean, Drew Pember is uh, a special, special player. And he's averaging over 20 points. He's the best defensive player in the league as well. I mean, he has 
three 40-point games or more this year. I mean, that's unprecedented. Um, he has a 48-point game this year. Radford did a really nice job on him the first time. He only finished with 12 points, but they still were able to win by four. So the last time he was in Deadman, he put up 41, which was then his career high. So big challenge tomorrow night for the guys in white and red. So we hope you get a chance to come out and support the team tomorrow. All right, hour two is coming up. Bill Rolfe, David Teal, and our 8 o'clock power hour. Stay with us.